be aware of the travel skills that are really important to learn that can save you from most unpredictable danger or hacks that can save you from being tanned or information that can help you to get the best accommodations at an affordable price i know these are all things that have a straightforward link to traveling but there are an endless amount of skills that are important to learn if you really want to travel the world or maybe a few countries but what is that one skill that can literally change the whole experience of your travel life that can make your life more abundant around travel and i know you love to travel that's why you're here tune in Hey everyone, I am Priya Sachdeva and you are listening to Trending Diary the podcast. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences and people and get a deeper understanding of the world around you starts now. Today I'm connected with Christina Gubberman, an international TV presenter, travel show host and an actress who has had a bringings in Budapest and later moved to Monaco. The lady found life in Monaco hard as the values and interests of her classmates weren't aligned with her. and she always enjoyed to create instead of consuming gosh i can relate to this to christina is the host of three chian travel episodes for the global channel travel xp and also did live tv shows event hosting red carpet hosting and live game presenting in london dubai france us and halfway around the world recently she has filmed 10 days in Mauritius an episode for Global Child a TV series with Miss Universe Katrina Gray and her boyfriend Sam Melby concentrated on nature and local wildlife conservation as well as an amazing children's charity program the lady can speak english russian french spanish and italian and have traveled almost halfway around the world This episode is all about how you can live an abundant life while traveling the world and that one skill which can change the whole notion of your experience as a traveler. Tune in. How are you? Hi. <laughs> I am great. I'm really excited. Yeah, you touch on some really interesting topics in all of your podcasts and those are the kind of podcasts that I like to listen to. Uh-huh. So this is So this is yeah a great start for me into the podcast world. <laughs> yeah. So how was your uh, recent trip to Mauritius? Ah, oh, it was excellent. It was so great. We did so much, so many new experiences. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Uh-huh. And also you yeah. had this opportunity of working with Miss Universe and mm. a boyfriend. How was that experience? Oh it was great. They're wonderful people, really down to earth. We had a lot of fun. I like to think that I've made some new friends, yeah. Yeah, I myself love Ketchuna. Uh, the moment she Yeah. Uh, you know, you miss universe. She's one of my favorite candidates. So she's from Philippines, but I really love her in terms of the charm yeah. she had. I don't know. She virtually even resonate and radiate that charm. So, of course. Yeah, no, she's just a really positive person. and they're both you know no no egos no difficulty in working with them they're just there and happy to be be there and happy to um have all the experiences so yeah so much christina for coming on trending diary thank you so much it's wonderful to have you 
Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. As I mentioned, it is my first podcast appearance, so I have no idea what to expect. And I think I'll just go with it. I've come completely unprepared, but I think that's the beauty of it. Indeed, uncertain talks, uncertain conversation that are not so planned, they are the best, what I believe. Exactly, exactly. And also, first of all, I'm curious to know why you do what you do, how you end up being into travel, hosting. So how did that journey, that story seem like? Oh gosh, that's a journey that's sort of uh, developed over many years. I first got into modeling when I was about eight or 10 years old. I was modeling children's clothing uh, at a very young age and I enjoyed it, I loved it. And my mother always said, if you like it, you continue it as a hobby. If you don't like it, you can stop at any time. So I never felt that it was an obligation. So I continued it through my teenage years. Even when I was at university, I did modeling on the side to earn some extra money on weekends. I did commercial shoots. And those commercial shoots slowly turned into speaking parts, which then turned into presenting. And at one point I thought, I really like this presenting thing. Why don't I make a showreel of it? I travel all the time. I see amazing places. So the next trip that I had was to the Maldives with my best friend. So I brought along a camera. I gave her a camera and I just said, film me. I'm going to present this island. I'm going to present the Maldives. So I did that. I learned how to video edit. I put it all together. And then I started sending it out to production companies, to producers, to agents. And that showreel landed me a job in Africa, hosting wildlife TV shows and conservation TV shows for almost a year. Altogether, I stayed there for about a year. And then that obviously led on to other things like live TV hosting and uh, event hosting in London and Dubai and Cannes, red carpet stuff, as well as more travel presenting, for example, with Travel XP and what I've just done in Mauritius as well. So a lot of projects based on one decision to bring a camera along to the Maldives. <laughs> really? I mean, that's amazing. It's it's just you never had any qualification, any degree in it. It's just you decided one day to hold a camera. You just think to, you know, just showcase your skill and you send it to several production houses and it happened. Kudos. Yeah, I think it's a misconception to think that you need to have a journalism degree to be a travel show host. What you really need is a connection to the camera and the ability to engage the viewer. That is the number one skill you need to have because a journalism degree is a very static position where you're reporting the news, where it's something more serious. Whereas in travel presenting, all you need is to engage the audience. So I even did a YouTube video of all the things that I think you need to be a travel show host. And a lot of them, people don't even realize that you need. For example, a lot of people think, well, I'm gonna become a travel show host, but their diction isn't great. So people don't understand what they're saying if they're, if they're speaking a different dialect of English or have a different accent. For example, a lot of people don't know how to engage the viewer with what they're seeing behind you. And they tend to face the background when they talk to the viewer. A lot of people uh, don't know the amount of research, the, time, the, the amount of effort, the amount of time that it takes to actually create a good travel presenting show, which is let's say 20 to 30 minutes long, but it takes a week of filming to get that. And it takes many, many hours and a lot of work and so you really, really do need to have that work ethic, that determination, just that energy to power through and not complain and not have any regrets about the choice that you've made to pursue this industry. Right. And, and it's surprising to know because till the time when I was thinking that you really need some journalism degree or maybe, you know, you need some education for the same 
though i myself is a keen believer that it's just the skill set which takes you ahead but to being a travel show host i because that's something you know i don't know as a kid i really fantasize a, a, a lot being a very uh, keen observer of the channels like discovery net geo travel history and you name it a lot i always fancy about you know how these people get there means what it takes to be and and you mentioned so so how do you develop these kind of skills was it like you, know, you read it somewhere it was a part of your curriculum was it the observation that came through or, or was it wasn't just a trait of your personality I think acting classes helped a lot when I was younger my mom once again made me do music so that encompassed dancing was from a very young age that I got comfortable being on stage and being in front of people and talking to people and learning lines and delivering them naturally so that came from an early age but for example the ability to engage the viewer and the ability to do research and um say the facts naturally on camera without it being forced that came with practice but for example I also noticed shows like top gear which are all about cars. I don't know anything about cars, but I love Top Gear and I started asking myself why do I love Top Gear? Why do I watch it if I actually don't like cars? I don't know anything about cars. And I realized that the reason was that the hosts are so fun and they're yes people. So they say yes to everything and they make the funniest situations out of whatever the show throws at them. So that's another quality that I've tried to create in myself. I try to be a yes person whenever I go on these jobs because being a no person doesn't make good TV. You need to be up for anything. You need to be up for a challenge. You need to be up to explore the unexplored to live something that other people look at and say, "Wow, now that's unusual. That's something I want to try. That is something I've never seen before." And it's all about taking that risk and letting the adventure find you as opposed to making choices about it along the way. You need to imbibe that kind of curiosity, the excitement, you know, the yeah. taking risk and uh, yeah, the energy part that you mentioned. That that's true, right? Absolutely. And you you mentioned taking risks and I do believe in staying curious and taking risks in life in general, but especially when you're a travel show host, especially when this is what you do for a living, you need to be so open-minded and so up for doing anything. Even if you go to a job and you have, let's say, X, Y, Z as your as your expectations, but the job ends up being completely different and pushes you out of your comfort zone, you need to embrace that because that excitement. is genuine and it'll come through on camera and that is what viewers love to see. Uh-huh. Interesting. Also one thing I really like about reading about you that came from your different sources when I was just searching about Christina. So one at one place you had mentioned that no matter where are you are in the world, no matter where you in the world, it always feels like home. you know and i personally appreciate people who are you know really easy to make connection who are very well to communicate with and it feels like you know a good connection a good vibe with them so but but the moment you mention it always feels like home because that's a very hard statement to make lots of people you know struggle with to fit into that thing so how does uh, you know that seem like how you connect with people how do you create that vibe and especially when you you know probably you are there for one month probably you are there for just 15 days you never know so how do you make that uh, special connection so fast and 
how does that connection happen? I think that no matter where you are in the world, no matter what different backgrounds, religious stances, lifestyles, languages, people have everywhere in the world, they all actually have the same issues, the same worries, the same concerns. And it becomes really easy to communicate with people once you realize that, and once you realize that everyone can communicate with a smile and with the act of giving. Nice. And that is something that's taken me not too long to realize actually, because I have lived in so many different places and I have traveled a lot when I was younger and nowadays, obviously. So it's an understanding that I think I grew up with, which is something that I'm very lucky to say now because it's something that I definitely want to show to my future children as well. In the and, and what do you think, what holds people, other people doing that, doing traveling, so what holds people back? What holds people back from traveling? That's interesting. I think a lot of people say that finance holds them back. Obviously now COVID being such a huge global issue, traveling has become more complicated than it used to be before. But I think the major thing that holds people back is them seeing travel as a luxury as opposed to a necessity. Mm -hmm. I've always seen travel as a necessity, as something that will broaden my mind, inspire me, educate me more than any book in the world, more than any course, more than any school. And a lot of people don't see it in the same way, which is why they don't see travel as essential, whereas I do. Interesting. And uh, why do you think it's the best education to win the world? I think travel lets you discover everything through your own eyes and make experiences for yourself along the way that you then learn from and that you can always fall back on later in life when you're met with similar situations, when you're met with difficult situations. Experience is definitely the best way to learn because obviously you have memory from it. You don't have memory from reading a passage in a book. It hasn't happened to you. It's just facts that you read. When something has happened to you, when you can see it, smell it, taste it, go back to how you felt at that moment, it becomes a whole different lesson for yourself that, as I mentioned before, you can use at any point in your life. And I think that is the most valuable education you can have. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And also you mentioned about the COVID part where you're right that lots of people uh, yeah. you know, are not traveling because of the COVID happened. So one thing that because you were traveling before COVID also, and right yes. now also I continue to travel whether it's your Mauritius trip, uh, that is recent. So uh, how the scenario, how the circumstances all around the world has changed before COVID, how the world seems like. So is there any very major factor that you feel, okay, probably it's heartbreaking or maybe it's a wow, anything in a good or bad way that has changed a lot before or after COVID. So any comparison yeah. that you have felt? Oh, yeah, a huge comparison. I have traveled on, for example, the A380, which is Emirates' biggest planes. It's the, it's the one with two floors. And I've seen it jam-packed going from, let's say, London to Dubai or from Nice to Dubai on very common flights. And now, both to Mauritius and from Mauritius, it was empty, completely empty. And that made me really sad because Dubai is actually holding their 2020 expo right now during my trip. And I had a layover in Dubai and the plane was empty. And that made me uh, question basically how 
is this going to impact the economy in general? Because the expo is obviously a huge investment for Dubai. Emirates is obviously really pushing flights to Dubai, and yet the planes were empty on the opening day and halfway through the expo as well. So that made me a little bit upset. But then what made me even more upset is when I got to Mauritius and the hotel was telling me that they've been closed for two years and we were their first guests in two years. Now, obviously, Dubai is a huge place. It's got a lot more um, economic stability than somewhere like Mauritius. So when an island like Mauritius tells me that they've been closed and completely shut for two years with no tourists coming in, to me, I can only imagine the kind of consequences it must have. And Mauritius being such an amazing place with such beautiful, open-minded people, always ready to help, always ready to welcome tourists. I think it really did have an effect on them, unfortunately. And to this recent trip to Mauritius, you had worked with the Miss Universe Katrina and Yes. So how does yes. that experience was like, uh, how are these people and how was that experience? Oh, amazing. I got a call about the job about a week before it happened. So we were filming for a TV series called Global Child. And the theme of it is traveling with purpose. So if you look at all the episodes, they're filmed all around the world. And every episode focuses on a different charity, on a different way of giving back to the place where you're traveling. And in this episode, Catriona Gray, who is Miss Universe, uh, myself and Samuel Milby and Augusto Valverde, who is the main host of the show, we all went to Mauritius and we explored ways to give back to the local community, to some charities that focus on helping autistic children and children with disabilities. We focused on how to give back to local communities that support wildlife and local endangered species. I think that it's so important these days to travel with purpose, not only for personal gain and personal experiences, but also look at the world as a more connected place and look at yourself as a building block in that connected place. So how, how can you make uh, this community thrive? How can you give back to a place that you're going to and leave it a better environment, a better location than when you first got there? And also there's a one line that you had shared when we first started our conversation, uh, something regarding the generosity. Uh, I don't know, you can repeat the quote for now. I, I personally really love that. Uh, can you please repeat that quote? Yeah, it was about generosity. Actually, Augusto, my co-host in Mauritius, shared that with me. It is a proverb from the Bible and it says, the world of the generous always gets larger and larger. I love that. I think that's something that'll stick with me for the rest of my life. Yes. Yeah. It's such a powerful quote. So, so it doesn't happen a few, you know, that quotes really stuck with me, but that's something really gonna stuck with me forever. So I really love same. The same, exactly the same. And the whole trip, I think, just completely changed my outlook on religion and the sort of connection that I have with religion because I'm not a religious person but then the whole crew and everyone there was very religious and at first I was a little bit hesitant like how how involved should I be but then I looked at all of their principles and all of their values and I identified with all of them so I asked does that make me religious and the answer was it doesn't make me religious but it makes me on the same path of those sort of values where you see positivity, where you want to give back, where you want to be generous, where you want to wish well, where you want to 
ask the higher power for health, for happiness, for prosperity to everyone around you. So we started every day in a circle with a little prayer. And even though I'm not religious, I really got into it because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you're praying to and what your religion is. All that matters is that you've got those shared values that you can communicate to one another. And those values are gratitude, open-mindedness, acceptance, and giving back. So that is one of the reasons that I really, really, really love the trip. And I think it'll make a fantastic, genuine episode. Indeed. And after all, it all comes down to your intentions, you know? Yes. What you're intended to so it's not just the medium that how you're going to pray because in India, in Pakistan, in uh, Christianity, there are different ways of praying. The religions are different, but again, there's a one path that uh, what are we intended to? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's the intention that counts. But the funny thing is me going in there, not being religious and uh, standing more on the scientific ground of things every single day, we would pray for good weather during filming and it would be pouring rain when we were on the bus going somewhere when we would get the cameras out of the bus the skies would clear it would stop raining we would say that's a wrap and it would start pouring down again I kid you not it was insane it was unlike anything I've ever seen before so by the end of the trip I was saying well clearly this works whatever you guys are doing it's working <laughs> so the God was listening to you yeah, the, the universe or the higher power or God or whoever's up there was clearly with us. And uh, also coming back to the travel part, uh, what does thoughtful travel, what's this, you know, tra thoughtful travel meant to you? I think thoughtful travel is, well, what you say it is, is thoughtful travel. It's just being thoughtful and mindful of the people, the communities, the wildlife, the landscapes, the animals that you're going to go see in this new place. It's about staying curious and it's also about seeking to make positive change and to learn and inspire others as a result. And what is the one skill that you think that it's really important while traveling? I wouldn't call it a skill. I would call it more of an attitude. I think you need open-mindedness, curiosity, and love for adventure. Because there's two different types of travel. There's the sort of travel where you're completely open-minded and open to everything and curious and passionate about adventure. And then there's the other kind of travel where you book yourself a five-star resort and you end up staying in the resort the whole time and you don't really see anything around you. You don't get to experience the place. You don't meet the locals. You don't, meet, you don't make a positive change. And for me, that kind of travel is a bit less authentic, but everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And also I had this very interesting, you know, Q&A over my Instagram and I asked like what is the one general problem they face while traveling? So there, there are a few people who mention very, you know, real problems. Like it's real hard for women, you know, where to be. So that's a very general. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I am so familiar with that problem. Especially when with some, because ladies are generally very concerned with their hygiene. I don't know. Yes. But it happens. So for us, it's really a major problem. For some, it happens that I forgot things. So one of the very, very interesting problems that I really, you know, uh, came across, which even I personally face, which is beyond any physical thing I am mentioning, that we generally, you know, not we are generally not able to enjoy the whole process because what happens one after another, we are seeking, okay, what's next? What's next? We are somewhere into the rush. I don't know it happens to you, but somewhere it happened to me. Whenever I'm traveling, whether it's with my parents or friends, I'm always in the rush. Okay, what's the next place? What's the next place? 
so somewhere i really want to the invite that particular thing you know to be in that moment because that's the whole like essence of the travel that's the whole essence to experience the thing as you mentioned because this is the best lesson this is the best book one can have this is the best education one can have so to have the education in a right way to be into that moment how do you manage oh that's such a great question it's something that i've been working on actually for quite a few years now my best friend told me a few years ago how she's read a great book and how she's trying to be more mindful with everything that she does mindful eating mindful taking a walk mindfulness when being with her friends and family and back then i don't really understand what she meant but i think now i do because the more you travel the more bombarded your brain gets with experiences with plans with activities as you say with the constant need to look forward to what's coming up next as opposed to enjoying the present moment the current thing that you're doing maybe it's just sitting by the water maybe it's just being on the beach chilling not doing anything but that's fine you're still there in the moment and what needs to happen is your brain needs to come back to the present moment as opposed to being in the past or in the future which is what us humans tend to do quite a lot i think the best cure so to speak that i found for this is taking snapshots with my brain this sounds a bit weird but what i do is when i really really want to remember a moment i look at it and i feel it and i just hear a little click going on in my brain and it's like a mental snapshot and i know that that's a moment that i'll remember forever because i've taken a picture of it and i have moments like that from all my trips for the past few years including the mauritius one and the mauritius one i took a snapshot of me swimming above dolphins and so we were instructed to dive in and swim with wild dolphins and as they were coming towards us you have only a few seconds to dive in and to get that nice little video or nice little picture of you swimming in the pot of dolphins because they are extremely fast but what happened to me is I didn't actually swim in the pot of dolphins. I swam above them as they were about 10 of them in a perfectly symmetrical line swimming right under me. And I just looked down and honestly, it, it, it took my breath away. And I just said to myself, this is something I must remember. And I just went click. And that moment is going to stay with me for the rest of my life, just like many other moments from all my other trips. But for me, I found that to be the most effective way to remember the now, the present, the beauty of the current moment. It's, it's the essence of the snapshot, you know, yeah. like that the snapshot. In your mind, no matter how much you're filming, but it's, it's, uh, it's your eyes who are the best, you know, who has the best lens. So. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just a feeling at the end of the day. You can't snapshot every moment because not every moment is going to give you the feeling of, oh my word, this is taking my breath away. Mm -hmm. But when it's something so surreal that you don't think you're going to experience this ever again in your life, I feel you almost owe it to yourself to take a mental snapshot. So that's what I've done there. I did it in the Maldives as well on that trip I was telling you about earlier where my best friend and I were filming. I was just in the water and it was beautiful and warm and the water was so blue like I've never seen before and it was crystal clear and the sun was shining on my face and I just said this right here needs a snapshot click interesting and okay I'm moving to a slightly personal note um, what is the thing in your 20s you know what are the failures in your 20s that set you for life, that had shaped you in the kind of career you are today and that shaped you in the person you are today? What are the failures in your 20s? 
the failures in my 20s. Hmm. And I'm assuming that you have closed your 20s. Well, you know what they say, never ask a woman her age, but yes, I can safely talk about my 20s. Um, so that's a very interesting question. I would probably say staying too long in a situation that I knew wasn't right for me be it career, be it relationship. And when I say it wasn't right for me, I don't mean it in a horrible way. I just mean that I outgrew it. And as humans, we're constantly evolving, constantly learning, constantly changing. So in your 20s, it's more than normal to outgrow things. You outgrow jobs, you outgrow friendships, you outgrow relationships. It's the beauty of being a young adult. And I don't think I understood that at the time. So I stayed in the in the jobs and the relationships that were no longer right for me. And eventually I did move away from them, but I wished that I moved away from them the moment I felt that I grew them and not a few years later. So that's one of them. The second one that I'm still learning and I'm still trying to improve it in myself is impatience. I am very impatient when it comes to inefficiency, when it comes to people not having the same working pace as I do. And I need to tell myself, it doesn't mean that my speed or my pace is right and the other person is wrong. It doesn't mean that I do it better, they do it worse. It doesn't mean that at all. It's just a difference in working, a difference in mentality, a difference in how we accomplish things. So these days I try very hard to see the other person's point of view and their ways of working before getting impatient, but sometimes I don't succeed. <laughs> And <laughs> that was serious. So just, just to make it a little light, let, let's play a quick game. With mm -hmm. I have named it One Love. I'm, I'm a big fan of this concept of One Love. I don't know why. So I'll give you <laughs> two options out of which you have to choose one. And you have to be real quick with it. Right? Okay. Let's start. One Love. Ocean or mountain? Ocean. Coffee or tea? Tea, for sure. France or US? France. Modeling or acting? Acting, it's more challenging. Acting or hosting? Hosting. Movies or books? Movies, I'm a visual person. Wildlife or sea life? Wildlife. Bikes or car travel? Oh, car travel. Evening gowns or comfortable pants? Comfy pants. <laughs> Whiskey or wine? None of them. I don't drink alcohol. So hot chocolate. Can I say hot chocolate? Oh, high five, girl. Lady. High five. <laughs> I love chocolate. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an alcohol person. And during this Mauritius filming, we had to go rum tasting. So that was really challenging for me, as weird as it sounds. So is it, yeah, I was about to ask you being into the traveling. So is it hard for you? Because uh, probably you get, you know, uh, you get the chance of, tasting the alcohol because it's something a very common beverage everywhere so don't you get you know for any travel show or anything like that wasn't it a hard well for the for the travel xp episode in munich i had to try beer and um i'm not gonna lie i did not enjoy it <laughs> i don't think i've ever tried beer up until that point and in Mauritius, I had to taste rum. So once again, it was just a few sips, but I can't say that it was my favorite. The only alcohol that I can maybe drink a little bit is champagne, Prosecco. I like Bellinis, which is peach juice mixed with champagne. So stuff that's really, really light. 
Uh -huh. um, when I was little, I used to like kids champagne, you know, that fake stuff, the bubbly stuff, a bunch of sugar in it that doesn't actually have any alcohol. I guess champagne reminds me of that, which is why it's the only thing I can have. Uh -huh. And that's why this is a secret of you being into so much conscious, huh? <laughs> well, the other secret, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you asked me if I like bikes or car travel. I can't ride a bike. You can't ride a bike. I can't ride a bike. So I mean, everyone is so surprised, but I just, I never learned. Like my parents were the, weren't the kind of parents that would be like, okay, let's teach you how to ride a bike now. I went throughout my childhood, not really learning how to ride a bike. And so the time came when uh, my boyfriend at the time asked me to come to Belgium with him to the seaside resort where they had a bunch of bikes up for rent. Mm -hmm. So the week before he thought he taught me how to ride a bike and I was feeling really unsure. And he said, don't worry, if you did it once, you'll never forget, it's muscle memory. So we got to the seaside resort and we rented bikes. And the moment I sit on my bike, I fall and the bike breaks. And so we bring it back to the rental place going, well, you gave us a broken bike. <laughs> and I'm just in the corner, red faced, really, really embarrassed. So they gave us a new bike and the same thing happened again. I sit on it and I just fall. Yeah, like, like in the cartoons, exactly what you're imagining. And so we brought it back again and they're like, yeah, no, we did not give you a broken bike this time. One of you does not know how to ride a bike. So yeah and safe to say but i still do not know how to ride a bike you were safe both the times you were not broken. sorry you were not broken both the times right i didn't break anything but the bike definitely broke both times then there was another incident where we went to the google headquarters in mm -hmm. uh, silicon valley mm -hmm. and uh, they have those google bikes that you can rent so we rented those and i just crashed mine into a wall the moment i got on it at least I didn't fall the moment I got on it. I rode it for about three seconds until I went smack into a wall. So that was fun. So ever since then, I'm just accepting of the fact that I can't ride a bike and that's that. So the similar case happened with me. I recently learned how to uh, ride, uh, you know, drive the car. That's something yeah. I'm able to learn. But when it comes to riding, because I had always been bad into cycling, and also not a very much scooty or any bike person. So every time it comes to me, I'm like, Zzz, I don't know what's gonna happen. So, <laughs> so I can resonate because I'm also someone who's horrible with the bikes. So I do not know, but I generally love bikes. I, I love to be, you know, throw on the back seat. This is the only thing where I, I really don't want to be a driver's seat. So otherwise I, I'm, I'm someone who loves to be on the authority, who loves to be on driver's seat, no matter what in general for the life also I'm saying but when it comes to riding the bikes I am the person who loves to sit back and enjoy the air but so. that's the thing people make it look so easy when it comes to bike riding in my building there's two professional cyclists mm -hmm. and honestly I look at them and I think well how hard can it be well what? the answer is it's not that easy yeah I understand I wonder how many people can relate to this or how many people are listening and thinking, what are they on about? It's so easy. So recently I had a trip to, you know, uh, uh, near Hill Station, of, uh, which is very near to my uh, city. So we had been there and one of our team person got injured with a bike. So thankfully there was a one girl who took the risk. So I really want to appreciate even now I had appreciated her a lot. But uh, she, that girl took the risk and she really get on the, you know, she was the one who drive back the bike. 400 kilometers, 300 kilometers, I, I didn't, really didn't remember. But she's the one who took the risk. And that's one of the very heaviest bike. So that comes from the Royal Infield, I guess. 
but that was one of the very heaviest bike and she really made me proud that girl so there were other guys on the trip but they didn't took that risk they didn't get the you know able to do that but that girl got that urge of riding that bike got that okay i can do that because other people are there i need to share the responsibility so i really appreciate that you know there i got the feminism ideology wow. that you why but i i think kudos to her wow well applause to her <laughs> yeah and also coming back to our travel thing again <laughs> we just lost a bit <laughs> What is the one Yeah, we best- went on a bike tangent. <laughs> what is the one best lesson that Charles have taught you so far? The one best lesson. I think communication with people is a lot easier than you think. People don't like the idea of communicating with someone who doesn't speak their language, someone who is not from the same cultural background, not the same religious background, doesn't have the same lifestyle, doesn't eat the same food. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because once you start to communicate with people, words only make up a very small amount of the communication. Everything else is through hand gestures through body language through smiling the act of giving through laughter as i mentioned before at the end of the day every single person around the world has had the same concern the same worry no matter where they come from so just knowing that becomes easier and um i think a better communication tool for everyone who's looking to travel and to make new friends all around the world just so if also if you want to suggest of your profession that gives you know exposure to travel what it yeah there there's quite a few so obviously travel to be presenting which is what i do you can be part of a camera crew you can be a journalist you can be a wildlife photographer you can be a drone operator they are very requested these days so i highly recommend that one and you can be a travel blogger mm-hmm. those are just some of some of the ones i can think of from the top of my head mm-hmm. so i personally love to be on the that one you know the hosting one <laughs> that i yeah yeah i can visit of course yeah the the hosting one you can only do if you love the idea of being on camera and being awake alert and look semi decent 24/7 all the other ones you don't have to worry so much about your physical appearance and your ability to talk to a camera for as long as needed but there's definitely a lot of technicalities involved especially in things like being a drone operator part of a camera crew or a photographer mm-hmm. and and because as you mentioned you are hosting since so many years so is there any and also you didn't have any degrees it's just come out of the passion the acting classes that you took so was there any inspiration any ideal or right or maybe any any guiding principles that you follow guiding principles with hosting i think watching hosts on tv that you would admire mm-hmm. is a really good thing to do when you're starting out because it lets you pick up on things that you like even subconsciously mm-hmm. and then replicating them and turning them into your own style when you're then hosting yourself mm-hmm. so i would watch youtube videos i would watch things like as i mentioned before top gear even though i'm not into cars i would watch david attenborough a lot and that shaped and formed my own style and let me become 
the best version of a travel presenter that I could possibly be without a journalism degree, without, let's say, a, a speech uh, and diction degree. But I think at the end of the day, the most common thing that will definitely propel you forward that I, I see a lot of these days is just sheer passion and determination. And I'm so thankful to be seeing a lot of it these days because some people think that being a travel presenter is easy and getting there is easy, but it's actually not. So seeing young people in their 20s who are really, really passionate about uh, exposing, let's say, um, the terrible poaching incidents that happen in Africa, exposing uh, some of the other problems that we have around the world, like uh, slavery, like uh, the uh, women's rights issues in so many countries. I think that is so, so, so inspiring to have young people really going for those ideals and potentially wanting to do that as a job, not like the old days where, you know, people just wanted to be accountants or lawyers or doctors. People actually want to make a difference these days. And I really love that. And I think part of that passion and part of that will to bring a message forward and change the world is what makes people successful in that industry. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And also is there any, any name that you would like to mention? There's a particular host that you really appreciate you know like i personally love uh, or enjoy watching opera i don't know this lady really inspired me mm -hmm. she has inspired a lot but i personally love the way she connects so yeah comes the funny part you know the funny hosting it, it's uh ellen i really love again oh i love ellen yeah ellen's one of mine for sure she's like the way she connects again so is it yeah that you really appreciate so there's two. Ellen is one of mine for sure, just because she doesn't take herself too seriously on camera. And that's yeah. something I always try to do as well. I think the less you care about how you look like on camera, the more entertaining it becomes to viewers and the more successful you become in this industry, because what you look like should be the last thing that you worry about when you're trying to bring across a message, when you're trying to entertain, when you're trying to connect with viewers. And the other one is David Attenborough, just because of all the knowledge that he has and how he manages to inspire a generation that is so, so powerful. If you think about it, this world is more populated than it ever was before. And if you look at someone like David Attenborough, the number of people that he manages to connect to nature and to the crisis of wildlife and the crisis of things like deforestation that's happening nowadays, it's quite remarkable. Mm -hmm. And also before wrapping it up, there's the one thing that I'm always curious to know from my guests. What is the one trend that you really want to see more evolving in the new world? Or I should say one trend that you really want to see more embraced in the new era? I think that since social media is becoming so powerful nowadays, it's almost taking over the world. It's almost like we're living two lives one life in the real world and the other one is our persona on social media. And I've been thinking for quite a few years now on how these influencers on social media shouldn't actually be called influencers. And I even had a really long conversation with somebody about this quite a while ago. I really don't like the term influencer because it implies something negative. So for example, when you say someone was driving under the influence, that's negative. When you say, oh, I did this because I was influenced by this person, 
that probably won't be a positive thing. What you should say is I was inspired by someone to do this, or I took this career path because this host has inspired me to do it. So I think the people who have a presence and a platform on social media should be called inspirers instead of influencers. And I think that is what they should be looking to achieve. So for everyone who's got a big following, who's got a big platform, instead of taking advantage of it to advertise consumerism and advertise goods, it would do a massive favor to the new generation for us to advertise ideas and inspiring ways to change the ever-evolving future world. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very nice perspective of seeing things. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate and somewhere the idea of calling them inspirers is somewhere very right to some people because it's again the different niche that you know people are working in. So the reason being what I believe that this term is you know has been coined because an inspirer can be someone for the you know he can for the values for the morals or for the ideas but when it comes to influencer it can be anyone from the lifestyle niche or anyone because I myself belong to that generation where we are living your right that you know there's a virtual world which we are living in and again there's a real world you never know what one person is coming from and you know what he's gonna or she is gonna pick up because of the kind yeah. of opportunities this social media has open for all of us. So, right, somewhere, you know, coining this term inspirers is pretty, it's wonderful to have you and a lot to know about the travel, the hosting world, and in general, the skills, I guess that gonna help lots of people, especially someone who, you know, is gonna love, who love travel. So thank you so much. At least these are the lessons that I'm gonna take and uh, somewhere i swear i'm gonna travel more i'm going to connect more offline to know more about the hosting and travel from you definitely but thank you it's it's an honor and wonderful to have you thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure to be here and i had a lot of fun thank you and you stated the same you know right line that you wherever you go it feels like home so you made me feel like home you made me feel connected i hope i did (laughs) i did a fair job So, but it's wonderful to connect with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you, beautiful people. I hope you get some value today. And if you have some idea, concept or story to share that can lead us to a better lifestyle and a better world, do DM me or Instagram page of Trending Diary. I'm here to listen. And also now you can check out our new YouTube channel where you can enjoy the best snippets of the trending diary episode that in the visual form i'll see you soon in the next episode till then stay tuned and god bless us all